look at today's our world of this whole covid everyone's talking about resilience everyone's talking about adaptability everyone's talking about new skills and i think for us you know we've been rehearsing this all our life mm-hmm. you know every 3 years it's a new place so what are you going to do is adapt 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 Thank you so much for joining me one more time on the Absolutely Right podcast. I'm your host Aditi Sarana. I'm a behavioral analyst and high performance coach. On our Wednesday episodes, we invite a guest who is a high performer himself and try to understand their personality, their secrets behind success, and most importantly, their inspiring stories. Our guest on the show today is Ashish Babu, who is a chief marketing officer for TCS Europe and UK. He handles more than 28 countries by the way. In today's conversation, Ashish speaks about how being an army kid has influenced him to become a better leader even a better sports person you know every time he had to survive and deal with an uncomfortable situation he actually used his lessons from childhood during the lockdown tcs decided to use technology to make their customers feel better feel motivated feel inspired and survive through the journey and ashish speaks about his contribution to it one of his lines that really stayed with me is helping is new selling think about it if you really genuinely want to help your customer move forward grow then that becomes your greatest brand association things that you learn from experts on the podcast like absolutely right so without further ado let me get this conversation with ashish started right away hi ashish welcome to the absolutely right podcast how are you doing um i'm lovely to meet you i mean i'm curious and i'm looking forward to our conversation you know as as human beings we going to constantly evolve so i think what i've learned about me is not going to be the same what i'm going to learn from you so i'm absolutely going to look forward to that's amazing this conversation Great start. yeah so for our listeners i have asked ashish to send us his handwriting sample he has written on a blank sheet of paper which was unruled and it was a spontaneous paragraph whatever came to his mind the idea of these conversations that we have every time on our wednesday episode is to get to know the leader the high performer and dive deep into the secrets that they have about their performance and what can we learn from it so let me get started the first thing that comes to my mind looking at his handwriting is you are a highly independent person and i'm saying that because when you write your personal pronounced i which is the capital i in your in your you know when you pronounce i am ashish so that particular i is treated differently when it comes to graphology does not have any horizontal line on the top or on the, at the bottom that means as a person when you think about your decisions you think about your life you always went against what the normal norms are and also you chose to be an independent clear voice when it came to your parents even if they didn't agree with your choices you articulated what exactly you felt even if you didn't get permissions to go about it and you know jump into things you you chose to stick to your ground and paid paid a very high price for that that was a long explanation of what i said but if you have any example as you smile please tell us what is that i think uh, you just nailed it i mean i you couldn't have been right about this and i you know it's funny after so many years i'm kind of figured out every decision which i made i think it, it was always against the tide and you know and and i never had any data to back it it was just about you know you, you know just awareness and your gut feeling 
And uh, you're right. I mean, as a child, um, I've made decisions which my parents thought, you know, are you really thinking from your head? Are you just, you know, thinking because you just want to do something different and be defined? I mean, simple case was, you know, my father being in the defense, being in the Air Force, I mean, that could have been a great life for me. I mean, I absolutely admire him. I think a lot of my, you know, um, leadership skills come from seeing him, how he managed uh, his his own, you know, um, people. Um, and that was such a straight answer for me to, you know, join the forces. And, like you know, my surrounding, like my brother, I mean, the surroundings, you know, the school I studied, like the Kendra Vidyale, which was like the school, default school, every time you got posted. Um, and, and uh, but I think, yeah, I think there was a time um, after moving from different airbase when I moved to Delhi, I think Delhi just changed my mind. Delhi was like, you know, this whole melting pot of, you know, our democracy, our food, our lovely, you know, traffic, heat, <laughs> but also among all that adversary, I think people just have this belief of, you know, trying to do and trying to compete and be the best. Right. So I think, I think that that got me going saying that, okay, fine. I think there's an opportunity for me to do something different. And it wasn't easy to explain. And I wasn't even clear what I wanted to be. Right. So that was even harder to go and explain to my parents that I am not going to join army, but I want to do this because I didn't know what I want to do. This was going to so look basically like. Basically, so you're those, saying yeah. that, that you said that I don't want to do this. I don't know what I want, yeah. but I clearly know what I don't want. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was like that. I mean, I still in my mind, I'm an army brat and I, I still think like that. A lot of my decision making comes in that. But I could have used, I just felt all that learning I could use in, as my dad says, in the civilian life. I would agree with most of the things that you said. But one thing I don't agree that you do not rely on data. And I'm saying that because when I look at your writing, it has very sharp pointed letter M's and N's. So every time, instead of a curve in the letter M, there's a point which talks about very keen observation that you ha have of everything and everyone around you. So you read between the lines, you observe deeply, you do not miss the details. And that is your data assimilation style. You would not look at numbers the way everyone else does. But for you, the data points are in other people, in the gaps that you observe, even when you're shopping, you know, like normal groceries and things like that, you constantly observe things that people are doing and why they're not doing things. So that's, that is like the data processing, I believe you rely on. I think you're right. I mean, that, that is the part which came to me because I think, you know, as I, we spoke earlier was, I've been, you know, every three years uprooted and taken to a new city. And the only way for me to assimilate, understand the culture, people, was about learning about them quickly. And, you know, that's, how, I mean, how, if you're going to be a new kid in the class, how are you going to make sure, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. So you're going to really think about, you know, what's the favorite food? What's the favorite sport? What does people get going? What's the movie which you should be watching? And that had to be a quick analysis of your surroundings. I mean, the old, you know, in our times, there was, there was no concept of emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. but that existed. You know, emotional intelligence is about, you know, the, you're trying to figure out, you know, what, how you're going to build relations, what gets people excited beyond, you know, just a superficial art. So 
I think um, a lot of my, um, um, I think, uh, assumptions were made on, as you said, data, but that data was about, you know, um, how are you going to make better relationships? You know, how are you going to make uh, more friends? How are you going to fit into a classroom? So that was all about. And I think uh, it was second in nature, but I never thought that was an advantage. But you're right. I mean, I use that in my work also. It's about simplifying and looking at information and simplifying and using it to make decisions. You know, I, I have many friends who are army kids and I know how tough it is for you to like move schools and, you know, adapt to the new environment. If I have to ask you, you know, things that you learned as a child, how do you think has affected your leadership style? Specifically in this one. Oh, I mean, listen, I think there's a, there's a you know, there's a quite an interesting, uh, I mean, uh, the army kids or, you know, the defense kids have this a bit of a, arrogance in our life we think because we've been <laughs> you know moved, yeah we've been moved around you know we highly adaptable you know we 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 fit into situations which we've not been thrown into um we you know we we learn new things quickly so i think that's a, that's i mean you look at today's our world of this whole covid everyone's talking about resilience everyone's talking about adaptability everyone's talking about new skills and i think for us you know we've been rehearsing this all our life mm-hmm. You know, every three years, I mean, it's 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 a new place. So what are you going to do is adapt, adapt, adapt. And I think um, um, that's what we've done. But also, I think another bug we have is this, you know, which I call a three or a four year itch. Once you've done that, because every every new move is like a project. Experiment. <laughs> and once, yeah, exactly. And once you've accomplished, you're like saying, okay, what next to do? Right. Which also is not a great if you're a family man, because, you know, uh, my wife, who you know, lived all her life in Bombay, since getting married, has moved you know to to Delhi, to London, to Amsterdam, <laughs> and I don't think so she enjoys that. Sure. But you know, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> so that's that's the negative also of that. That's yeah. interesting because you know, like every time people decide to move uh, from one vertical to another, from one organization to another they do not dare to do it because they wonder what all would change. You know, breaking the comfort yeah. zone is such a difficult thing. And in a way, it sounds like, as you talk about it, that is a game that you love to ace every single time, like breaking the boundaries, recreating yourself. So do you like purposely reinvent yourself every now and then? Yeah, I think um, absolutely. I mean, I give you simple examples. Is um, I'm a person, you know, when I used to move to every new city my you know i would go back to my dad and say hey you know i i played cricket but nobody plays cricket here so he says adapt figure out what people play so i went and played tennis then i learned tennis got good at tennis then moved to another airbase and people played let's say volleyball so i had to go and learn volleyball so i think what happens is you you develop a basically an ability to have a foundation and then become a sponge in a way to take on new things and i think that's what i've done also you know from my career um, just also, you know, uh, with my own kids and when I speak to my wife is, you know, okay, if you're going to live in London, what is that thing we can learn, which makes us as local? Because, you know, otherwise we could have just stayed in Bombay. So do you so, have, you know, do you have yeah. a hack to go about it? Like, how do you adapt to a place? And, and, I mean, something, it's, it's the same thing which you would do. I mean, if you, if you, you know, move from Delhi to Bombay, where would you go? I mean, the, where's the best food? You know, food? I mean, everybody, yeah. I mean, where's the best food? You know, if it's Mahesh lunch home, if you like fish, or if you want to have a Patrani, so you go to a Parsi, you know, restaurant of Britannia. 
So it's the same case in London. I mean, where do you get the best roast? Which pub is, which is, you know, where Shakespeare ever wrote a story? Where do you go? So you're going to find those melting points or you're going to find the water hole, which I called it. Right. You know, and that's where you're going to find, you know, your, uh, you know, interest. And that's where you also connect with the culture. So, so basically you're saying that if you are new in a place, ask people where to eat and go out with them and eat there, is it? I think food, listen, what do people care about? I mean, ultimately, as Indians, our life revolves around food. We get up in the morning thinking about food, going to bed thinking about food. So why not then use that to our, you know, advantage? So like mothers asking you, khana khaya kya all the exactly. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you, exactly. I hear you. <laughs> Other thing that is clear, very, very important thing in your handwriting is the way you're constantly thinking about the future, thinking about the possibilities that you would like to engage with, thinking about where can you take this project where nobody else has gone. So this is almost like conquering, you know, a new planet pretty much. But with your thinking and with your ideas. And you mentioned that you had a very drastic career move, especially with TCS, where it was tough and it was you know, not something that you had done before. I would love to know, you know, our listeners to hear that story because it is such a difficult story of adaptability and gamifying survival, if I may say. I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I, I love the point which you said. I mean, I'm always thinking ahead. I mean, I always love the movie of Nostradamus where he predicted the world in a, in a, in a good and a bad way. But I like to predict, you know, at least um, with all the data and awareness which I have is, you know, where are the trends, you know, from a business point of view, uh, how humans are going to react when things start opening up, how, are, you know, how, you know, I need to start thinking how my, you know, my, my family, you know, my, my colleagues, um, my friends who are going to start, you know, changing when the world opens up. And I'm constantly thinking about that because that also is a consumer behavior. That also right. is everything from adaptability point of view. Now, you know, just from my own perspective, you know, I, my life has been, you know, I'm, I've been a comms person. I mean, I, I was not a great writer. I think you see my handwriting obviously. <laughs> Until computers didn't come that time and writing was fairly well exposed. So I really had to work hard to explain people what I've written. But, um, but I think um, what I had very clear, I think, from my upbringing was a clarity in thinking, ability to communicate, because if you can't communicate sharply, and especially you're going to go to new cultures, you're going to struggle to connect with people. Mm -hmm. um, so I use that as an advantage when I work with, you know, fairly large um, um, uh, public relations firms and that gave me an amazing ability to you know basically work with um, clients who had complex technologies but ultimately those technologies was about helping humans and that's one of the things you know I use that as my consistent way every time um, getting into the habit of asking the right question what is this technology who is it going to help how are they going to benefit? Weren't you and very young when you started this, like really asking I, questions and handling big accounts? Yeah, I did. And I was, I was, as you said, I was very hungry to, you know, so I worked on like clients like Intel, worked on SAP, and these were, you know, they're global big leaders clients. in their own way. Yeah. yeah. And to sit in front, you know, at the age of 25, 24, to sit in front of a, you know, CEO or a vice president and tell him, you know, this is what you got to bet on. And I have nothing to show, but, you know, just my own skill and my convincing powers to say, this is the campaign you should focus on. This is the story you should focus on. This is the outcome it's going to look like. 
So, so was my it, job a, was to was it a matter of chance or you worked towards it? I think um, I was ruthless in learning about the, every client of mine. I was obsessive about their business. I really wanted to understand. And I would spend a lot of time, as you said, my ability to look at data. So I would really read a lot. I would also, you know, if I worked with people, I looked at their leadership style. What would, what, you know, A, helps them succeed? Mm-hmm. What gets them motivated? And how can I be a bridge to that? I mean, how can I help them in that journey? So I think once so you that, have that... That yeah. point is wonderful. Can you just explore a bit more on this? Like, what do you mean by how can I help? Sometimes your job doesn't demand that and you're, you know, probably other people around you might not like you walking out of your space and interfering in their space. I've always approached people as, you know, everyone's in a journey. Everyone's in a journey. I mean, like you and me, you know, what do I care about? I care about my family. I care about my community. And I care about my personal growth. Mm-hmm. So to me, you know, that's the lens I look at. And, you know, if, if somebody who I work, I look at, you know, what takes them. There was a world we used to be in a very formal mode. We said, okay, this is nine to five, then we go home. But not really. I mean, I do care about at nine to five, what is the score of India against England? Mm-hmm. I do care about, you know, what's my next holiday? Right. So I think somewhere, I think we really had, I had, I used to think about is don't break that world. That world is consistent. And if you can have a conversation with someone and they think you can value add, I think there's there's an ability for you to strike a conversation. And that's what I did. I mean, each, I mean, I still am, you know, uh, in touch with many of those leaders who are sitting in top companies because I always care about, and they always come back and say, Ashish, you know, I'm going to be here for three years and this is my goalpost. Mm-hmm. What can we do about it? And that is surreal for me. You know, at age of 25, somebody saying, hey, 25, 30, that, hey, can you help me in this journey? But... Mm-hmm. You have to have a, the data and the confidence to ask the right question. Otherwise, you can make an ass out of yourself. True, true. <laughs> and that's what people and are scared to, of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you got to, you got to, you got to do it with performance. You got to show them what you can deliver, and you got to consistently then show them that this is the way to do it. And I think people come around. I mean, it's not hard. And yeah. and you are an extensive risk taker. I'm saying that because in in graphology, when we look at a handwriting sample. Uh, the way you utilize the space is an essential element. One of the things we call left and right margins is like, how far do you go to towards the right side yeah. of the page? In your case, you tend to go, especially when you were young, you were way more prone to take risk. And I'm sure you would have fallen on your face. And how did you maintain to, to have the, the confidence, you know, to, to show up again and, and kind of fight the, the embarrassment? What did you do for that? I think, uh, you know, um, I've always had this uh, conviction. Uh, I think in a way I practiced that because of my background. I mean, my, you, know, uh, you know, because of being uprooted, there's all, not that every time I've walked into a class, people have liked me. I'm sure. <laughs> you know, I'm not made a friend immediately, but what happens is it's the persistence which comes in where you say, don't worry, it'll happen. Right now you're not getting there, but you will make friends. And I think that's what I've done. I mean, I have worked in um, Hyderabad, Bangalore, Chennai, um, Bombay, Delhi, London, Amsterdam. And, and let's like, add to that, that currently how many countries are under your belt? So around 28 countries uh, in Europe and UK, which, um, you know, um, come under my uh, purview. And that's the, you know, brand which I'm working to build for TCS in those markets. Wow. So, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the, and how does it happen? I mean, it's simple. 
I mean, if you, you know, there was a time I used to work in Dallas Sky, we were trying to launch, you know, digital TV. I needed to understand, you know, which channels mm. in, in, you know, Sun is the most popular channel in South of India. You know, if uh, which newspaper like uh, Anandada Patrika in, uh, in Calcutta, um, in Ardu in Hyderabad, I literally had to have the data on my fingerprints. So that actually, in a way, set me to understand how Europe was. Because, you know, once you understand what people read and consume and how people's views are, that also is a great gateway for you to look at the other parts of the world. What has changed for you, especially work-wise, post-pandemic? Like things, everybody's doing differently. They're exploring the same situation with, you know, more technology supporting it and so many other things happening. So at TCS, in your experience, what are the things, you know, if you have to talk about a few projects that were excellent or mind-boggling, what would that be? I think, um, you know, I think um, TCS is a phenomenal company. We, in a way, you know, for us, we run digital infrastructure for many countries, you know, be it India, be it UK, be it Europe. I mean, you look at all the essential services, all the retail companies, all the airline, all the wow. utilities, all that is, in a way, you know, we, we are the ones who are, in a way, you know, keeping, and I think um, essentially, if I think about what TCS in a way did was kept that backbone going when everybody was moving to home. And all these companies had to give, you know, that experience from literally, you know, moving their own colleagues, moving their own suppliers and delivering 24 by seven nonstop services. So I think that was a phenomenal experience of what this company does. Um, the other aspect was, I think also, you know, great, um, ability from our leadership to a support the clients. I think I always believe the word which I kept consistently using. We are a true brand, and I always say, you know, helping was a new selling during COVID. Wow, wow, brilliant. So yeah, so for us it was that. I mean, we were just said, go help the customer, help them, help them, you know, because they need us. And I think that's what we did as a marketing function, making sure, you know, we could communicate well with them. We could tell their stories because ultimately what did COVID do? COVID, I think, did two things. On a personal front, I think it challenges us fundamentally who we are, are we going to survive, and if we survive, what's going to become of us? Mm-hmm. And I think we all, I think, I'm sure everyone, and, and a client is a human, <laughs> everyone's in this, you know, everyone was looking for data. I think everybody wanted to figure out what can I learn which will help me and my company and my, you know, my community get out of this. So a lot of our work went in, you know, telling those stories to them because what they wanted to know was what was working in, let's say, in Singapore could work in in US and what could work in UK could. So it was quite like, you know, trying to take information and sharing with customers and getting them to say, okay, fine, this is inspiration. If you take it and build further, there's hope for all of us. So it was quite interesting. A A lot of the marketing effort went in that working very closely with the business. And also other thing we did was, you know, creating opportunities for our customers to connect with, I mean, our customers in US or Europe or Australia not necessarily meet if they don't meet physically. Here they were connecting virtually. I mean, we had events where someone's dog was barking, someone's child was, and I think it was very human. I mean, people invite, invite, I mean, your clients invited you in their kitchens, bedrooms, drawing rooms. So um, I think we all, all have gone through True. that. And I think that was surreal. I mean, that, that was an acceptability. Nobody said, I know it all. Everybody said, mm-hmm. it's a democratic way. And if you know it better, teach me. 
So, and yeah, I mean, I, as a, as a team, I think extremely proud, you know, how um, um, our leadership in, uh, and our colleagues just came around. We, uh, you know, also won, just doing all this fun stuff, we won almost 20, 21 awards uh, on digital pandemic? campaigns. Yeah, during the pandemic, which wow. is on digital campaigns, on, on um, our, one of the most interesting work, which I, I, I would love to say is that we, we are big partners with some of the biggest marathons. So, you know, right. we do the London, New York, Mumbai marathon. So one of the things we felt was, you know, if everything is going to become virtual, mm. how are you going to connect with people? So in Amsterdam, we actually took an inspiration where we said, okay, let's think about if Abhi is going to run there, what is she going to miss the most? What she's going to miss is, Marathon is a sport, you run in public, but you run alone. Right. What you, what inspires you is the crowd cheering, the atmosphere, and you look at others which who, who may not have more capability than you, but you say, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. So mm-hmm. we actually created a whole soundtrack, and the soundtrack basically was recorded in the canals of Amsterdam with the mayor of Amsterdam wow. doing a pee-off, and we had the bells of the cycles and, and, and the birds. <laughs> and it was basically about saying you put that on and you get Amsterdam marathon, you know, you know, which we, you know, which was a way of saying that you're not running alone. Uh, and so where people were running that time, actually, physically, actually, they were running either in parks, they were running on their treadmills, they were running, <laughs> you know, in the night, because they were curfews, right. remember the world we lived yeah, previously. Course. They were running in their backyards. So what we wanted to give them is a sonic experience, which just gets them, you know, uh, emotionally. And I think we got an amazing response. I mean, now we're doing that for other marathons because I think that's what humans crave for is, you know. And doing that during the lockdown where you could not connect with other people is, is, as you said, is actually helping people feel inspired, feel motivated, work towards something that they want to participate and you know, be feel the communication and connectivity. That's amazing. It's like using technology in the way it should be used. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. I mean, technology is to help humans. Technology is not the beyond. It's about, you know, just getting smiles on people's faces, you know, as simple as that. And, and that's what you want to do is give them more of those experiences. That's amazing. I'm going to quote this one. It's, um, it's going to stay with me. Helping is, is new selling. And that's what you should remember. And more you want to sell and grow yourself in an organization or to your customer, figure out ways to contribute and help. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, TCS is the embody of that. I always say that. Helping, they, I mean, there's no company which does this better. You know, the word resilience, I think, has been spoken. But to me, is about, you know, healing is a process by itself. You know, everyone, we don't know the stories of everyone yeah. you know uh, there's a there's an unfortunate situation when everyone's virtual you think yeah that's the world it's easy world because you can just click a button get on a call speak to each other then you give 10 tasks three tasks and say hey come back with them but in yeah. the background each one of them have to worry about their parents if they're sitting in london they're thinking about parents in Ahmedabad, and if they're sitting in amsterdam they're thinking about parents in stockholm um then they have a small child and uh, I'm really trying to understand, you know, how can I start thinking about the healing process? Because to me, I think the healing happens. Healing is an important part. Rest will fall in place. Then you feel, you know, they, they, they've been heard. They want to feel, they want to, I won't say move on, but they, I think it's just about calmness in their soul. So that's something which I'm really keen to know what's the way to look at. I'm currently writing a book 
on calmness mm. and the whole yeah. idea is, is like commissioned by amazon the whole idea of the book is how calmness can become our superpower not like Lovely. calm as relaxed but calm yeah. as poised and active calm as a reservoir of the energy required to deal with challenges and uncertainty and that cannot happen when we are in the middle of a battle it cannot happen yeah. when you are on the battlefield it must be done when you're not on the battlefield it's like you know somebody trying to learn how to operate a gun maybe on the battlefield it doesn't work yeah. like that and people think of calmness when they're anxious to think of healing when they are in the middle of that difficult situation what we require to do is create a method create a system create a culture where we can actually tap into that calmness every single day at least for 10 minutes 5 minutes make it so practical you know how we go on instagram every single day and we do it naturally because that's like a cool thing to do and that's what everybody yeah. does i believe things like tapping into your own calmness or working towards not mental health but i feel mental fitness so you kind of every day do something like your physical fitness for your mental fitness so when things get difficult you do not fall apart and that is yeah. not a, a coping mechanism that's the lifestyle decision which which i feel is essential we should make that shift from mental health as dealing with anxiety and depression to mental fitness as a everyday way of looking at life so that filter needs to change and i i look upon i look up to all the technology firms to really look at this as a, as a lifestyle you know like how instagram could make access available how google worked at it so if you all you guys like an appeal to all the technology creative minds to make calmness as a way of looking at the larger solution we'll be able to really reach out to people and then we do not have to fight it on a daily basis i'll give you a small example during the pandemic we started a social initiative to teach people a stroke of graphology as a graphotherapy stroke which allows your mind to calm down and we ran some anti anxiety workshops for them and everything was you know when the lockdown happened the first one nobody knew what to do so we said okay let's everybody's anxious let's help in the last 18 months we had more than 10000 people trying this practicing wow. this and people have changed the way they looked at killing themselves uh, when they were in covid the parents were in covid everything was getting helpless they sat in the hospitals and people sent me photos and videos it is moving heartwarming to even think about it doing that practice so that that was a mechanism do, done every single day to build your muscles to be calm not as a reaction but as a, as a path of building the extra muscle that was otherwise not available so i love imagine, it i think imagine, yeah imagine having tools and methods like that where we and we have so many already it's just that we don't have the culture where it is cool enough to practice these things on a daily basis i feel that is needed no i think uh, you give a great answer i mean there's this you know thing of you know calmness you right i mean calmness is not about when you're angry calmness is about it's a state of mind you you go you know it is in a way to relax your mind like the way you relax your body right and some of the best decisions happen when you are you know it's it's like you know how we used to grow up and we used to sit in those trains uh, with uh, no ipad and we used to think we used to get bored sure and the best ideas came from there Correct. and you observed people and you looked around and you had no rush to reach anywhere and we didn't exactly. struggle with like what to do with 24 hours of traveling 
we did something and we knew we'll figure it out also i feel calmness is the poise when you are at high intensity when you are making the best possible decision when you're in in your zone when you are you know in your element you're performing you're giving that best presentation or brainstorming there's a moment where you know you are in control imagine people being trained like athletes people everyday yeah. people are trained to have that calmness then we won't have the the issue of healing as much because people won't mm. collapse and break down because they'll keep practicing it's like unhealthy generation when they have to run a bit they feel exhausted mm. but healthy generation people practicing marathon and you know preparing for yeah. it if you make them run for 2 kilometers they won't get exhausted because they do you know do that regularly every year and that is what we require probably mental marathons i love that word i think let's work on this mental marathon i love that part i mean i mean let's do this yeah. please. i mean people it. talk about resilience but i think it's a mental marathon mm-hmm. it's about consistency of staying calm rather than just staying calm for 5 minutes yeah and pausing and running again and pausing and yeah. running again yeah i i love that love the answer thank well, you well I also want to ask you this question you know you use sports to connect with your community and yeah. not once but multiple time please tell yeah. us i was fascinated by that story and so simple so real and so doable for all of us and most of the time people wait for others to solve problems they do not act on it proactively so please share that story yeah so i think you know i think uh, for me um sports is you know i i need to it just gets me going in a day i mean i love going to the gym but sports is what i enjoy mm-hmm. so one of the things you know i realized when i moved to london was you know their sports is played as season like not in india we have sunshine <laughs> 24 7 there you know the winters are gloomy and the summers are bright and in summers people play cricket and in the winters people play football So my biggest challenge was cricket was natural to me because I lived in India so I enjoyed that. I used to play football but I never used to play five aside. When I left now obviously in India five aside is a big thing. Mm. So I in fact was invited by someone and saying hey do you want to come and play? So it was a bunch of dads school dads and then it struck me that you know this is such a great community because you come in you play for an hour and then you go to a pub or you go for a curry. And then what I started to do was I said okay this is great so every time I met a dad who I thought was interesting and I said do you play football 99% everybody is played football and everybody said yeah I said can I add you in this group of football dads because all of us are absolutely are you know our running skills are bad our boxing <laughs> skills are bad but the good thing is it's a more a social group and you would imagine I started with 10 dads and now when I left um, um, London it was around 50 of us in that group and it was a wow. thriving community i mean people said hey ash a friend of mine is coming he would want to join could you add him and i said i would love to add him and i every time i go back to you know london this group says hey we are now almost 120 140 people thriving wow so you know it it's and, and the same thing happened when i moved to netherlands i like said okay what can i do different then i found the city which i lived hey is an expat town there are people from shell musk uh, european parent office europol and these all expats come for 3 years and they like saying okay how do i connect and network so i actually started a dads group of saying okay fine we're going to all basically it started with five dads and i said okay do you ex- should we do something where we could do things together we could you know have a game of football go for go karting and they said hey i would love it because what happens is i met them all there 
we all would drive for us kids birthday parties and while the kids would enjoy we would sit and wait for them in that miserable weather exactly <laughs> you know drink coffee and look at each other and i said okay why so there's a there's a quite an interesting uh, word which says we don't stop playing because we grow old we grow old because we stop playing so true so true so if you have to teach our listeners three things before you go your life mantra your way of like hacking or if i have to ask give me find survival like you know you are like a, a great player no matter where you're thrown you kind of figure out a way to gamify this and with all your great achievements and constant reinventing if i may say you have been you know figuring things out so what if you have to give like you know three things to keep in mind i think uh, you know one i mean as a generation young generation you got to get into habit of dreaming be the habit of dreaming dream 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 because it is amazing because what it does is it i always say is a word is in a way you you're helping rehearse the future what's in your mind so you need to have that otherwise you know you can be very happy and settled because if you don't dream you're not restless you're not thinking i mean there's also nice with a certain dream next to a river but there's also a way to find ways to dream about what you want to be next the other thing is spend time understanding people i think that is a key thing we spend so much time um confusing the people what we see spend time seeing behind the people what gets them excited and that is where you're going to connect with people better because we are so busy looking at people's social profiles meeting them in the first instance and making a mental note of oh this person is like that mm. you know i think one thing which i learned i think in the west was when i you know when i meet friends in india people always say okay what do you do where you come from where do you belong to sure which was the hardest for me when i moved to this part of the world because nobody asks you those questions and it's offensive to ask those questions Yeah so it's it's you know it's it's hard for you to say okay how do i connect with this person because mm-hmm. you know so for me then i need to think about is what excites you you know what do you do somebody say i'm a stay home dad okay okay i've never met a stay home dad so what is that so i'm sure it's a sport or a food which will excite them so try connecting people on what gets them excited rather than trying to put a label on them through those three or four questions i think you will have long lasting friends and that's an attitude you need to find whatever you do work with a client work with a partner work with colleagues or making new friends i think the third one is i wouldn't say adaptability but i would just say that you know be a sponge mm-hmm. be a sponge to you know learn new things i mean i i used to hate reading books so my knowledge came out of listening to people mm-hmm. i used to love listening to people i would ask and so i what it did was i got into asking the right questions because you know otherwise people can talk in our country you know we all love <laughs> talking we are you know we all have a great um, emotions and we love to have views so i think the ability being a sponge is either you read through books either get experiences or get into habit of meeting people who are going to teach you a lot and i did that a lot i was ruthless about yeah. finding the bosses who taught me i there are bosses who I didn't have a great time but they great friends today because they pushed you in a certain way which you didn't want to be to me and and one word i always say and i always write it down and tell every colleague of mine and every friend when you uncomfortable you're growing wow and you need to think about that if you start getting comfortable you're not growing when you're uncomfortable you're growing and that has to become your you know put it on as a sticker and and just remember that when you are you know feeling depressed when you are that emotion is going to help you get strengthened because 
I think life is like a full circle. Everything which you get it when you're young, the same decision you need to make when you're old. But when you're old, you will have that experience, patience, True. and maybe a data point to make that decision. So I think three things is what I said. If you only think about your own life and do not think about the other person, their perspective, where they come from, it's difficult. Like one of the uh, Friday episodes that we did on the podcast was around stress appetite. And I was yeah. talking about we need to build stress appetite, that discomfort, embracing it or pretty much creating it so that you you stretch your own muscle to deal with the problem. I think it's brilliant. Yes. So yeah. cool. I love that. I think I learned many good things from you. Thank you. Which I'm going to write. I think I need to work on my own mental marathon and sort a lot of good things. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much for being on the show. This was wonderful. So many learnings in one single conversation. I look forward to our listeners' comments on this and, and hearing what all you learned and what exactly you will be implementing from these conversations. We had so many points to implement. I have made my notes that I'm going to do the same. Thank you so much, Ashish. Thank you for being Thank you. Yes. Thank you for challenging me. I think I learned more about myself than I learned. I mean, you, you know, it was like a full circle for me having this conversation and uh, really appreciate it. And I think I just, um, it was nice that I knew what I was doing, but I think you backed it with data. So my hunch became data. So thanks for that. Thank you. That's what we want to do. Like otherwise people look at graphology and they say, oh, this is a voodoo thing. No, it's not. It's absolutely no, it's not. mathematical. And more you understand it, it just becomes wonderful and beautiful. Can I say just one last thing? You know, yes, um, in the age of computers, you know, I think all of us are even struggling now to sign our own um, signature because everything computer does. Right. And when, you know, I remember Rashi asked me to write a note, I had to write five pages to get one right <laughs> to send it to you. Our but producer let me be honest, is very tough. She would not let Rashi, you she's in. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> she was brilliant. But, but the good thing was, it really got me thinking. You know, they, they say, you know, there's a word nasha. That's what writing is. Wow. And I think I would urge everybody to just go back to doing that because Thank it you. just, you know, gets you. And when you write, you remember. It's as simple as that. Thank so you. thanks for that. Great. We will make you write more. Don't worry. Like more graphology, <laughs> more writing. <laughs> Thank you so much. Brilliant. Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Absolutely Right podcast. Every single time I have a conversation like this, intense, raw, and full of penny drop moments, I thoroughly enjoy it. And I also make my notes to make sure that I implement my lessons from each conversation in my actual life. So performance is not something that happens one fine day. It's something that you build towards every week, every day pretty much. You try to solve the problem in a better manner with more efficient tools. I ask our APT participants, APT is India's first mental and emotional gym where we practice these penny drop moments. Every week on a Saturday, we meet and discuss a different perspective to look at a life situation like decision making, like solving problems, like dealing with relationships. And unfortunately, we are not given tools to do that. So imagine coming to a gym where instead of working on your physical strength, you work on your mental and emotional strength. How many times we get to do that? And because we don't end up doing it, 
we suffer for a longer period of time. Now, if you want to avoid that, come know more about it on aptforme.com. Uh, all other information about my work you can find on aditisurana.com. If you like this conversation and if you think it can help somebody who would like to become the best possible leader they can be, somebody from the marketing field, then do share this episode with them. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. The podcast is available on all major podcasting platform. I'll see you on Friday with one more episode of the Graphology series where we're going to talk about how to decode your personality this time with one more factor of handwriting. So do tune in. I'll see you there. Happy writing.